0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post Twenty Podcast. You're now listening to episode 171 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Matt. What's going on?
1: Uh, yeah, it was uh It's been a long week since the games that happened that we're going to talk about. We've been dealing with the FA Cup, and now there's a couple E Cup matches today. Um, wouldn't know how that feels out of them all. Yeah. Um. But you know it's tough where the current the club's at with Chelsea and talking about transfers and stuff. With the Jao Felix deal going through for a loan until the rest of the year, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the area in particular we needed. I don't know how much say Graham Potter has and who these people are going for, but it seems like the ownership group is siding with Potter over some of the players that probably don't like where the style of play is going. So I would imagine in that case that we're gonna see a lot of players exit this summer, which has been a long overdue. I know Arsenal did it over the past three years now. Yeah. And to see where Arsenal is now it's it's a good it's a good uh boat of confidence if they follow in their footsteps there. But yeah, soccer wise it's been pretty pretty bland playing City twice and seeing everybody else have success besides Liverpool.
0: Yeah, I mean, to go back quickly to Chelsea with the Felix signing and what you just mentioned about Arsenal, it kind of seems like you guys are just hijacking Arsenal transfers right now. Um, Yeah,
1: it seems like we're pretty... I mean, obviously, there's still a transition period between changing of ownership and staff and people that the bully and the consortium trust in in different positions i think bowley just stepped away from being interim sporting director so now he's just a chairman now really and um yeah i don't know it's just there's so many moving pieces and people hate uncertainty and things they don't know or or out in the dark for so there's always there's always going to be distrust and and anger towards things but it's one of those things where you have to trust the process we went through it with the Sixers for a while, being a laughing laughingstock. Yep. Um, this is a different type of scale when it comes to sport and and just culture as a whole but i don't I don't think the I don't think everybody's going to be on board with it, but it's going to be a rough couple rough a rough year or so however long it takes us to get to the end of the year really.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you guys just need to cut loose some of the dead weight. <clears throat> uh you mentioned Arsenal cutting the dead weight. It's it's a big thing because if you can clean up the culture and get it to a point where everybody's bought in, then yeah. it's like that's that's 90% of the battle. I think well, maybe not 90, but maybe 70%. 30% talent, 70% culture, and it it truly does come down to that because right now the the culture at Chelsea like a majority of the players are just recycled or rejects I think like Cucurella is a guy that you guys bought for a lot of money hasn't panned out Aubameyang another one it was free but still like not gonna work out Polisic experiment uh, like I want to say it's over Zieck, tired it's just it's not good. And and same thing with Sterling. He's just been recycled. He's been everywhere. I think these guys are players that have class, but if you can't get enough new blood in and just create a new culture like with Potter, with what he did at Brighton, it's just not, it, it's not going to work this season. And this is tough. Like I've, I've seen this. I watched it happen with Arsenal and it's just ugly. The rebuilds are not fun to watch. It's slow, it's there's not a lot of scoring. There's just miscommunication and lack of intent on every single side of the ball, and it is it is tough. It is tough to watch and I do you know, I don't have a ton of love in my heart for Chelsea, but I do feel for them, the fans and and what's going on at the club because it's just it's really tough to tune in every week uh and watch that that sort of football. And it it's happened to Chelsea before. I mean, we saw it with remember when Gus Poyet was in when he was your yeah. interim manager? Like it We
1: finished it, tenth before.
0: Yeah, it happens, man. Arsenal have finished low in the table plenty of times the past ten years. It's it's just, you know, it's a rebuilding period and like you sort of talked about with the Sixers, you just have to you have to put your head down and, and keep the faith and hope that, that things will get figured out. And to be honest with you, having an owner like Bully is not going to be much different than having an owner like Abramovich. It's just a matter of getting the right pieces in at the right time with the right manager. And I do think you guys have to give Potter a leash. Um, You have to give him a longer leash because he is a good manager. Uh, that's not somebody you want to see walk away from this job or or get sacked because the manager market right now is uh, just not, it's not great. I mean, outside of maybe Zizou, outside of Zidane and and Pochettino, like, I don't know who else you guys would want. You had Tuchel, who was a really good manager, I thought just didn't fit what they were trying to do. Um, And then Potter is not really fitting right now, but I do think he's a better fit for crafting a young team, moving forward, and having success. I don't know how you feel about that, but I do think Potter is the right guy for the job.
1: Yeah, I don't have an issue with him. It's just uh, it's the whole dilemma between what people are used to with Abramovich just chucking managers as they come, yeah. and this is kind of different where maybe there's a stance of we're going to go with this guy, we we paid him all this money, we took him midseason for a reason, and... To just get rid of him like that would make no sense for us, and I don't know. I think it's a thing that most people aren't used to with what Chelsea's done over the last two decades. I think it's a different dynamic for the players. Maybe the players have been so used to having the control over the management, and it might be a shock to a lot of them. I think I've heard a lot of people over the past month or so talking about players and their place in the club, and I think... I think it's true that only one player maybe has a, a certain future with the team is Reese James. Yeah. Other than that, it seems like everybody's pretty much replaceable. I've been loving seeing Zacharia play. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, obviously, if if Conte's fit, you always love to have him. But that's an uncertainty. Mounts iffy. Player of the year the last two years, and now it's been just a massive, massive plummet. Of, of success and, and for him personally. So yeah, a lot of things to go around, but there's also a lot of other things going on in the league too. It's we're not living in a vacuum. So
0: yeah, it's true. All right. Uh, let's jump into these games. Talk about a couple of other clubs who struggled this week. Uh, Liverpool being the first team Brentford three Liverpool one. The bees get a much appreciated three points here against Liverpool. Uh, It was a home game for Brentford, and they certainly played like it was. 10 shots for the Bs, 16 for Liverpool. 7 shots on target for Brentford, 6 for Liverpool. 27% possession for Brentford, and they were able to eke 3 goals out of that. And Ibrahim Okanate, a goal in the 19th minute. Started the scoring for Brentford. Joan Wissa added one in the 42nd right before halftime. Uh, Ox got one back. It was 2-1 in the 50th minute. And then Brian and Bueno put the dagger in in the eighty fourth. I mean, what a performance from Brentford here. Uh, no, uh, what's his name? Um, the Gambler. Tony. I mean Tony in this one. Uh, and Buemo and Wisa up top, both getting goals in this one. And then we had Konate with the own goal. But wow, this this Liverpool team just. <laughs> I don't know, man. Nunez has not escaped fraud watch. He's he's still there. Uh, scored a banger midweek. But just not able to finish the, uh, the simple chances here. And Liverpool, uh, outside of Salah, just, just really not looking good. This is, it's, it's tough for them right now. And Brentford are, are streaking. Uh, they have, I believe, three wins in their last five, uh, two draws. And then we have Liverpool, who were doing well, but just take a loss there. They're in sixth. Brentford now in ninth.
1: Yeah, it's the whole game. It seemed like Brentford were in total control. Yep. They had three set three consecutive corners, and they scored off almost every single one of them. Uh, Visa having a hat trick in the game, but two of them being varred off. Um, yeah, it's just the, that midfield for me for Liverpool is just non existent. There's too much work um, not being done between the three people in there, whoever they are at the time. Uh, Van Dyke going out of this game is massive. He'll be out for several weeks now, it seems like, with a hamstring issue. So I don't know if that's too big of a loss even, because even with him, they've still been leaking goals. They, they're they very poor. They're, they can't keep a clean sheet in the league, it seems like, even with all the success they've had so far. They're soft on the set pieces. Brentford's a prime. Lost, physical. Yeah uh they won the, they won the battle on the day it also helped that they're yeah they they were lucky they're playing at home um having the crowd behind them with the luck and the the support and even getting a win without their main man tony is massive i don't it doesn't seem like there's any concrete evidence or anything coming out that he's going to be suspended for a while with all dependent cases but um that's good for them if they can get that to the summer that'd be great but yeah it's it's one of those things where Liverpool also really struggling, but they're still they're still in a in reach of potentially getting in that top four. But it's looking really bad with the form everybody's in, and we saw Gakpo play in the FA Cup game the other day and had had an average game. Can't really ask too much out of them, but yeah, they're just missing that dynamic front three. Chamberlain did a good job overall. So far that he's been given in that position, but that's not who you want in that in that uh left wing position going forward for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely true. All right, let's move on to the next one. This one was a bit boring, but uh, went the way that I expected. Fulham won, Leicester City nil, An early goal from Mitrovic was the decider in this one. Uh, offensively, not a terrible performance for Leicester City; just weren't able to get one uh, to fall. Fulham 11 shots, Leicester City 15, two shots on target for Fulham with one being the goal and then six shots on target for Leicester. Leicester did control the game, but it's just been really tough for them uh, to get goals outside of absolute bangers for Madison and and Tielemans this year. Uh, Tielemans did start in sort of like the central cam role uh, right behind Vardy. It's it's just not been very good for Leicester this year. They're in a really tough spot right now. They're in thirteenth on seventeen points. They're only two points clear of the drop. If they, you know, if some of the other teams down there, Everton, West Ham, uh, I don't really think we're going to see much out of Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth. But if Everton and West Ham turn things around, uh, Leicester City are not like totally out of the woods yet. And for a while, they looked like they were they were playing better. But it's been really tough in their last couple games and. Fulham get a much needed three points here. They're in a great spot, uh 7th place, level on points with Liverpool, only 5 points uh out of 5th in the Europa League. They're in Europa League spots right now, but they could actually challenge uh you know up up front towards the the later end of the season. United, uh, I don't think Newcastle's going to drop many points, but this Fulham team, they really play they really play hard. And this is one of those games where you just have to grind it out, defend after you score early. And they've been able to do that. They are just very, very put together. And I think like when you look at their team, Paulina has been amazing. He's really, really good. Adara Bioyo has been great too. Anthony Robinson, even Reem. Uh this is a very <laughs> well put together team. And they, they play really hard.
1: Yeah, man of the match here to Burnt Leno, yeah, for of his sure. Head uh, making several great saves. Leicester definitely deserves something with a lot of the games they have with the with the talent they have. Obviously, you mentioned Tillemans, uh hit the crossbar again from that same angle that he scored multiple goals from this year so far. Um, they have the second most losses this year with eleven. Still, like like you mentioned, in that fight for relegation potentially, but. It seems like the whole year they've been going going through it with a knee brace, an ankle brace, tape around the shoulder, ice pack. Like they they're really just hobbling to the finish line at this point, trying to do whatever they can to stay up. Vardy finally has hit that cliff. He's fallen off the cliff there that we've all been waiting for the last couple of years, thinking when is it gonna happen? And it seems like this is the year, so uh not having Daco is a big loss. Ianacho still not getting the time in there, even with Vardy here, and the style that he's been playing is tough. But they, they just got to keep pushing on. I know that they they definitely do a couple good results here and there. But uh, like you mentioned, this full team has really been overachieving, and I think they've been one of the most consistently put out teams. Like the, the, this eleven that played here is pretty much their eleven game in game out. So yeah. we'll see we'll see if they can keep it up. Uh, they're battling with teams in that area that are also overachieving a bit Brighton and Brentford. And now they have to kind of fight with the big boys in Liverpool and Chelsea as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just like, like when you, when I look at Fulham, I like them more than I like Brentford. Uh, yeah. Bright Brighton, I think are a bit more dynamic in attack than Brentford are. Brentford are a little bit more solid in the middle. Um, they do get enough goals to, to certainly contend with teams like Fulham and Brighton. But um, I just think like, there's something different about Fulham. They are newly promoted. Mitrovic is sick, but their midfield is way more solid than I would have expected. I think Paulina has been like, you don't hear a ton about him either, but he has been immense. He's been really, really solid. And it seems like he makes everybody else around him, as well as the defense, um, just, just more short up, more solid. Um, and there's a certainty you get when the, they're working the ball forward. So uh, I think to have like players like and, and Willian and and Reed starting there, uh, you know, like this team is definitely overperforming. I don't know if we'll see it next year, but sort of reminds me of that Sheffield United team. Um, I you guess know, that goal probably what, three years ago now uh, that yeah. were just that were just sick. They were mega solid and, and they got enough goals to to contend. But yeah, Uh, let's move on. Arsenal nil, Newcastle nil. This was a tough watch. Uh, The ball was only in play for 53 minutes out of the, it was more than 90. I think there was like 105 minutes total in this one. So a really tough draw here. Arsenal was 17 shots, four of those on target. They came to life late, very quiet first half. Eight shots, one shot on target for Newcastle. Arsenal, of course, uh, dominated the possession with 67%. They're still in first on 44 points, Newcastle now uh, in third on 35, but I would have really liked to to get a point here. Uh, and Katia, I think, was great. Again, Sokka and Martinelli, both impressive. The midfield was solid. Odegaard's been sick. Uh, and then on the Newcastle side, you just... You have to expect uh, an absolute masterclass from their back four every single week. And, and that's what it was here. Gamarish a little bit of a ghost in this one, same thing with Wilson and Almiron, not necessarily uh, as involved as they have been in weeks past, but I think it's a testament to, to how solid Arsenal can be even in these tight matches. Uh, When the game is, is open, it's, it's often, you know, the floodgates are open and, and they're scoring a ton of goals, but this was a good test against a really solid back line. I'm not upset with the nil-nil. I think Newcastle are just, it's tough because I like them. I, I do think that, you know, the project that they're building there is is going to be very successful, but they are a bit ratty. They, uh, they, they play like rats and that's what happened here. You have Nick Pope, who's like the number one FIFA cheese rat of all time. Uh, in net and that's just he's doing it in real life as well he's just standing on his head every game he's been sick he made an unbelievable leg save here at the end uh probably should have been a goal from uh from Enketia, but they they managed to salvage a point it's it was a nil-nil draw it it's ugly for sure some some of these games that newcastle play but do you really you can't blame them because this is real life they're they're playing at this point to really contend for a title i mean they're in they're in third place um and i i think you have to clap them off the field you know it was a really good performance from newcastle
1: yeah they're they're on a 13 game unbeaten streak and five clean sheets in their last six games the only problem being the last two they've had nil nil draws i think this this match here what we saw shows that They're definitely not going to be a title challenger Uh, if they can't show any sort of offensive potency against Arsenal and City. It's going to be really tough. I know the previous City game was a bloodbath there, high-scoring game. But uh, I would say if they play that game 10 times, that's 1 out of 10. And I think Arsenal really showed how they can control the game. I think Mikel losing his head like he did wasn't... Good for the overall game. Maybe if that just rouses guys up or or whatever, if it's for show or not, I don't think that was all necessary, claiming for those two pens as he did, but
0: Yeah, that was wild.
1: Like you mentioned, the ball not being in play for that amount of time was going in Newcastle's favor and that's kinda of how they wanted it to go. Just get the draw and get out of here. And that's the strength of the team, like you mentioned, the the back five there including the goalie. So it's hard to ask them to do that week in and week out, but it seems like they don't have a problem with it so far with the first half of the year almost complete, only losing once, but if they're going to have to push on and keep up this pace, they're they need to start winning these games more. They they have eight draws and the everybody else in the top 8, the low the closest one only has four. So they they need to start going for some games a little more. They need some more firepower up there to go for it. Uh, Isak's back. We'll see his involvement, if he can take time away from Wilson or not, but yeah, it just seems like they need a little bit more juice going forward in the attack.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Let's move on to Everton-Brighton. Everton won Brighton 4. It was a full-on Brighton uh, domination, essentially, from the minute it kicked off to the, win it, the minute the final whistle blew. Matoma in the 14th, Ferguson in the 51st, Sully March in the 54th, and then Gross in the 57th. So three goals within the span of six minutes, an absolute collapse at the back for Everton. Just couldn't stop the pace. DeMarie Gray uh, pulled one back in the 92nd on a penalty, but this game was, ever, or was, was Brighton from the very start. 19 shots, eight of those on target versus Everton's 10 and four respectively. 52% uh, possession for Brighton, but they were able to get four goals. Uh, out of that split in possession, Calvert lewin's back uh McNeil's in there, but this team is just it's it's not good uh the back line is is decent some weeks and then really bad other weeks here they just got exposed uh with the speed of Matoma and and Sully March and even Ferguson up top, who had a good game uh and and this is tough this is a really tough loss for everton. they're in a extremely dangerous spot right now. In 18th on 15 points, they got four losses in their last five. Versus Brighton, who have three wins and two losses, one of those against the top team in the league. I don't know, man. Uh, my question to you, you know, before we you you break down some of the <clears throat> more intricate things in the game, does Frank need to be sacked? Because I don't, I really don't think he does. It's very similar to the Potter situation. I I think. You have to give him a chance with better players because this is just not enough. Everton did not do hardly any business in the uh in the transfer window in the summer, and then they haven't done any here either. Uh Tarkowski, I believe, was the only player they brought in that's in their starting lineup. So I don't know, man. I, I just they're not giving him much to work with.
1: No, they're dealing with a lot of injury issues we saw in the FA Cup game over the over the weekend, Alex Wovi uh had a ligament issue with his ankle, so he's gonna be out for a couple weeks, which is important for them because he's been their most consistent guy. He's played every single minute of every prem game, every league game. Uh, so that's a massive blow to their midfield. Uh having Tom Davies start in your team is always an issue that shows where your team's at depth wise. They've really been having to rely on Damari Gray now to have moments of brilliance. We saw him get a a consolation goal here with the penalty. Uh, we saw the Man City goal a couple couple matches ago, earning them a huge point. They, they just need more moments out of key guys. We know DCL is capable of moments, but is very inconsistent with his time being on the field training because of fitness. Uh, Anthony Gordon has become a ghost, really, for whatever reason that may be. Uh, the start of the year, he was a hot property in the league, and now He's he's just nowhere to be seen. So I agree with you. I think whether you keep him or get rid of him, it won't make a difference because the team is where it's at uh, with what players you have to offer. The, they have so many young guys on the bench getting in now that it's just uh, they just need a few results to go their way like the Man City one did. I think they're in a very similar situation where they were last year. When it comes to the parity of the league and the teams around them also having, having poor seasons. So it just comes down to nicking points here and there. It's early on. Still, I would say even at the halfway point. But I think there still is more time. If they can potentially do something here in the market to give them a little more boost, a bigger boost. Uh, maybe in February you make that move to big, maybe bring in Sean Dice or somebody to just completely lock up shop and just play that hardcore defensive ball. And I think I think he would do okay. But yeah, I think just keep him for now. There's not really a point. And for Brighton, it was just it was a free for all. I mean, that third goal, I think it was. Yeah. For I don't know. Sorry, the last one. When uh, Everton had a corner, it was cleared, got a gay, just passes a ball back thinking there's Tarkowski or somebody there, and it's just Evan Ferguson going in on a breakaway and or sorry, Pascal Gross, and I mean that was just the icing on the cake for how bad that was and moments like that you can't blame Frank.
0: No, I mean, exactly. That's what I mean.
1: There's just so many players in this team that are absolute dog shit. And <laughs> you can only work with so much. I mean, I know it's, it's tough. It's tough. They just real. they just can't give up these early. I mean, going down three nil at half or yeah, going down like they did in that second half is just on inexcusable sit, three goals in six minutes.
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy's playing with non-rare golds. What do you want him to do? I, well, I, just, I don't
1: even know if he's even that there.
0: He might be playing with silvers. It's possible.
1: It's not like it's FIFA 12 where you go with the all Brazilian silver team.
0: I know you just can't do it. It's it's very tough. They have to get somebody um, <clears throat> who's just dynamic up top and is gonna play every week. That's yeah. what you need. Somebody that's going to play every week.
1: DCL and that's what is not Charleston him. Was that's where that, Charleston was for that's that. right.
0: He was. He was a true workhorse. He saved them last year. Um, and now it's it's funny. <laughs> now that he's at Tottenham, he's been injured constantly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe he just shouldn't have left Everton. Uh, and I don't think, you know, keeping Rich Arlison would have been enough to like totally salvage Everton's season, but it certainly would have been easier to, to keep a more steady lineup and, and have somebody you can rely on if they would have just kept him. But that's just not, not how it panned out. They needed the the money from Rich Arlison. And the other thing is before we move on to United Bournemouth is Everton is a team in transition. Uh, Usmanov and whoever Fashira, I think his name was, were like the two guys that were essentially owning it. But now that Uzmanov has been uh, apprehended by the you know world police, essentially same thing with um, with Abramovich, the team has to be sold because Fashira was just left holding the bag. He's got to he's got to sell the team because he actually doesn't have the money to run the team. Uh, and Everton is just in a – they're in a really tough spot. And if they go down, then it's going to be even worse because they're not going to get the broadcasting right money from NBC. And then, like, once you miss the TV money, we're we're actually seeing Burnley somehow manage to probably come back up because they're in first. But it's going to be really tough for Everton, man. It's going to be ugly if they go down. And hopefully – they're able to salvage something at the end of the season like they were able to last year and not go down because i do think everton still belong they've been in in the prem for a really long time now haven't been relegated in a very long time and it's gonna be tough if we see that <clears throat> let's move also, on what's up
1: I was, just, I was just gonna say they're also the most scored on team in premier league history
0: does that surprise you with their back line
1: no i mean (laughs) yeah i mean you mentioned they've been and they've never been relegated at all that that comes at a cost
0: i thought you meant this season but yes you're right
1: i mean that is very true that's gonna be tough going with with bournemouth and southampton that's a tough fight there for that that trophy
0: yeah absolutely okay united three bournemouth nil casemiro with another goal in this one he scored in the 23rd luke shaw got one in the 49th And Rashford, of course, gets one in the 86th. 18 shots for United, 6 shots on target, 60% possession versus 7 shots for Bournemouth, 4 of those on target. This Bournemouth team stinks. They were playing, spoiler, earlier this year with Philip Billing and Dominic Solanke getting goals uh, in just, like, the most obscene spots. They were coming back, they were fighting, and now it just seems like everything's been drained out of this team. On the other side, I mean... United. They they gave Lindelof a start here. Maguire's back in the team. Uh, The Butcher came off the bench. Molossia not in. Wan-Bissaka's getting some burn again, which I think has been good. Uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka has actually been sick the past three weeks, and I'm really glad to see him Uh, getting a start now because he is, I think, their best right back. I think he's better than Dalo, even though Dalo actually wasn't bad this year either. This team just looks so much better with Casemiro, man. It's nuts. Uh, Van de Beek is shit for sure. He's done. Uh, He also got his leg just absolutely snapped in this game. So we're not going to see Donny Van de Beek anymore. I think his career is probably finished at United and maybe just finished in general. He'll go back. He'll go back to uh, the Dutch leagues and and just rot. But yeah, I mean, this United team is good. They're bringing Vron like off the bench. He didn't come in in this game, but there is a little bit more depth here. Uh Alanga and Garnacho off the bench is sick. You have a lot of pace there. And I think Rashford has just been so, so good. And if Rashford is able to continue to perform like he's been doing uh in that left mid position, I just it's it's gonna be tough to see United really falling any further down in the table. They've they've got four wins on their last five. Ten Hag seems like he's changing the culture and this is essentially all you could ask for as a united fan. They have been very very good. They're they're, you know, tied for third place right now uh just out on on GD and I don't know. Uh I was wrong about United it seems because they they've been really good.
1: Yeah, this if you replace Casemiro for McTominay, I mean, this is a prime Ollie Solskjaer team and like you said with the way they've been performing it's it's incredible um if you want to take in consideration their last four games in the league beating Fulham, Forest, Wolves and then including this Bournemouth game i mean competition you should be beating that Fulham one was right before the world cup break and they needed a 93rd minute winner from Garnacho so uh they, they are playing well Dehay is doing his job Luke Shaw has been an MVP in that back line playing in in a left back role and, and a few times in that center center back role. It's nice to see from them. Bournemouth is just free falling, it seems like they just there's nothing that can go right for them. The they they're playing the same eleven they were before the break and they're just getting eaten. It's they're just getting torn apart. It's there's not really much to go with them there. Um but yeah, I think United they're back into that phase where they got to put the big boy pants on. They have to this is going to be where they really test themselves with that how how trained and how disciplined they are in this system under Ten Hag, what he can do on on the substitute side of the game, how he can how he can put a stamp on the game himself. Cuz now they go into a Manchester derby and then a rematch against Arsenal where we're going to test to see if that was a legit result early in the year. So it's, this is a massive point in their season where they can really make a make a difference and just cement themselves in that top four, which a lot of people didn't think they'd get in.
0: Yeah. Including me. Uh, I think I ninth, ninth clown, absolute clown. Good to see United being good. Uh, I just think that's that's better for the league. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, Southampton, nil. Nottingham Forest, one. Taiwo An- Awani, uh with a sole goal in this one. He scored in the 27th. Just one shot on target for Nottingham Forest. They were able to get that one in. Zero shots on target for Southampton. Eight shots total. Ugly game. Southampton controlled possession, but they just struggle up top. Mara got the start here alongside Adams. Uh, playing a really weird one here, 3-1-4-2. Three, uh, three at the back with Lavia right in front. And then Walker-Peters and El Unussi playing way far up. Walker-Peters, not somebody you would expect to be all the way up there, but he was. Uh, they're just trying different things out here. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I think Cooper got a bit bailed here with the, with the uh, win. Nottingham Forest are in fifteenth, Southampton all the way down in 20th. They've got five losses in their last five. Nottingham Forest with a much needed three points here to uh put them around that, you know, mid table. They they probably will finish uh just above the drop, but this is a, a big three points here.
1: I think I can easily say this with confidence that this was the worst game I've seen yeah. this year. Um, this was Nottingham Forest's first road win of the season. Oof. Also, this was only their second goal on the road for the year. Um, incredible stuff. Lianko for Southampton, I think, is the worst defender in the league. That back pass or mistake in the back where they just got a breakaway for Forest... It was an improvement from the Chelsea game from Forrest because Brendan Johnson had a similar situation where he went for the goal and missed. And in this situation, he actually passed it across on a one. He got the tap in, which was needed in this game for them to win. Because other than that, that they just packed it in, didn't, didn't care. Um, I think Southampton are 100%, I can say, with confidence going down. Yeah. They've made a couple signings that raised my eyebrow a bit. They've signed Orsic from Dinamo Zagreb, I think. Or they whatever. did? I didn't even see that. Yeah, Orsic is there oh, now. he's a good player. Uh, they also brought in a Argentinian center mid who's 20 from Racing Club named Alcarez. He yep. can play a little bit of right mid, too. Carlos so, Alcarez, right? Yeah, he's a young player that has potential... Can help Ward Prowse in there with with instead of Elianusi. Um This is the last straw for them. If this doesn't work out, it's going to be impossible. Um, Nathan Jones has to be one of the worst appointments I've seen in a while. Yeah, putting a guy in a relegation battle situation where he's never been at this level before has no experience is is a disaster. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves before the end of January. With as you mentioned, six straight losses. I'm sure it's even further. Um, yeah, six straight losses and then a draw. They haven't won a game in their last eight. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. And now they go into a match against Everton. That is just like this Force one was. It's a must must win situation. So yeah, not a lot to talk about the game because nothing happened. But both of these teams are in really dire straits,
0: absolutely true. <clears throat> all right, let's move on to actually one of the more enjoyable games this week uh leads to West Ham two Wilfred Nyonto. i don't I'm not sure if you pronounce that like uh, Nyoki or Gnonto. i'm not I'm not exactly sure he's scored what's up I think the G's silent so Nonto. Yeah, we'll go with that. All right, so Wilfred Nanto with a goal in the 27th. Uh, Lucas Paquetá with a pen uh, in stoppage time of the 1st. He scored in the 46th minute. Then Gianluca Scamaca got one back in the 46th. It was 2-1 until Rodrigo Moreno scored in the 70th, 70th minute. The two teams had to share the points. Leeds, probably the better team in this one. Six shots on target, 64% possession versus West Ham's 2 and 36%. Uh, Leeds looked pretty good moving the ball around, but this is one of those performances where after the past couple of weeks, their defense has been solid. They just fell a bit flat uh, mistake to give up that penalty. And then Skamaka just got through in the 46. That was tough. Lost the marking. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's good to see Leeds score, but it seems like when they score, they also let up goals. So that nil, nil draw against Newcastle a couple of weeks ago was, or, er, Yeah, it was a week ago or two weeks ago. Uh, That was a huge result. And then they let up two goals to West Ham who are just considerably worse than Newcastle. Uh, I I think it's just a a matter of delegating responsibility. That's what it comes down to because you see like when the players are more activated and going forward, the defense struggles. And then when they're not worried about scoring at all, they are able to defend as a unit and, and keep goals just out. So I don't know, man. I think, I think you have to get somebody else in. I think you have to get a better player in going up top. Aronson's been okay, but he's not going to be able to give you uh, the the premium service that you need when your your starting striker is Rodrigo. Bamford experiments over. Uh, they got to get. They have to get a really good striker. Somebody that's similar to Mitrovic. I know he's sort of a a really tough player to emulate and find. Uh, but they do have to get somebody better. They have to get a target man, uh, and and allow Somerville and, and Aronson to to sort of provide service to him because Leeds were really good when they had Bamford, a bigger striker. And I just I just think that's still the team identity and that's still what they need.
1: Uh I'd have to go the other way with that for Leeds, I think the defense is where they need to improve. This is the one area that they've made little improvements on. Over the last three years, they've been in the Prem. The first year they came in, they finished 10th, but gave up 62 goals. Last year, just surviving relegation, they gave up 79 goals. And this is the same back line. They've only changed those attacking areas. And Strouk at left back, that's not his conventional position, but he's done a reasonable job there. But he is covering up before... Junior Firpo, who's always been injured or is suspended due to card accumulation, and it's just an area where, like you mentioned, like they, they get these leads, and they are always going to give it up. It's just That's just who they are with this current team. So it, credit to West Ham taking their opportunities when they did. That second goal, Brendan Aronson had a huge mistake with that back pass, and Skamaka just buried it from 25 out, but... They're never out of a game, that's the thing. They, they 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 will make mistakes, but they're never out of it. That's just who who they are. And I think until they make those defensive improvements, they're always gonna be a bottom half team in this league. So credit to them to fight back and get the point, but West Ham, I would say, are in a worse situation with finishing in the top seven consecutively now in two years. Yeah. And now they're in a they're in a dog fight for their lives and David Moyes is fighting for his job at this point. And it's it's really tough. This was their first point in their last six games. Like we said, the from thirteenth to twentieth, it's only five point difference. So there's a lot of movement there, but they need to they need to start stringing some results together. And whether that's Paquetta pushing up higher in the field now, and Bowen getting more involved, or them figuring out their backline situation, like I with like with the leaves, they have a lot of injury issues in there too. So. A lot of problems going forward for West Ham, but I think this is a good mark for them to build off of.
0: Yeah, it's a good draw. Um, <clears throat> my my friend, one of my my dearest friends, Derek, he started watching the Premier League two seasons ago, and I told him, you know, you have to pick a team, and I and West Ham were we're doing well at the at the time. And that's who we chose. And I told him, I was like, you very well may see West Ham get relegated this year. It is very possible. So it's tough, man. It's tough to, to start watching a new sport and you pick a team. That's just absolute dog shit, uh, within a year of you selecting them. And he, he was like, is it too late to change my team? And I said, yes, it's too late. You have to, uh, you have to struggle. You you chose them. He's got a jersey. That's once you get the jersey, you, you can't give up on them. So yeah. okay, condolences. I, I am I'm truly sorry that this is what you have to deal with. And it was the season where where Antonio was just like banging them in. Oh yeah. And I was I was big on Mikel Antonio. I was like, yeah, he's sick. And now he's just he's just dog shit again. Um all right, let's move on to the next one. Aston Villa won, Wolves won. Wolves led for a majority of this game uh, after a Daniel Potence goal in the 12th, but Danny Ings got one back, and they had to share the points. He scored in the 78th. Uh, Villa looked better in the second half, pretty quiet from them in the first. Ten shots for Wolves, 13 for Villa. Three shots on target for Wolves, four for Villa. And the possession went Villa's side. Um, I don't think anybody's really surprised about that. Villa have a better lineup with Louise in there. Buendia has been better the past couple of weeks, and then Bailey and Watkins up top. Love to see uh, Leon Bailey playing striker. He he is a a quick player. Um, and then we had you know Costa, Potence, Huang He Chan. Huang He Chan's been getting some burn, uh, and then that solid midfield for uh, for Wolves. But I don't know. Do you feel like like Villa will be upset about just taking a point here? Uh, or do you think that that they're going to be happy with it? Because I think this is a decent result for both sides.
1: Yeah, I think Villa should be accepting of this point. Um, the way they scored, it was just a long ball from yeah. Mings over everybody, and uh, it's unacceptable for Wolves for them being a defensive first def- defense first team, uh, just getting beat by one ball over the top, and it was unfortunate because Saw was starting to come out and then his foot gave out and he slipped and that just opened the chance for Ings to put it by him so I think Wolves definitely should feel more gutted of the two I've enjoyed the the turnaround that Lopetegi has done to this team the last three games they've gotten a, a big win over Everton which potentially they got they got lucky there the tight game with United was enjoyable to an extent it was an improvement And this game, they definitely deserved a little more out of it. But just like a lot of teams are dealing with key personnel being out or out of form, and Diego Costa in there every game I watch, he is terrible. He's got no wheels. Yeah, there's, there's just he cannot play more than sixty minutes in a game.
0: He's cooked. He's like thirty something, isn't he? Thirty four.
1: Yeah, that's just there's, there's no gas left for him and. It's it's tough to watch at times. He's just a guy that needs to be in the area for the ball to get whipped in and for him to just poke it in once. He cannot. He has no... Potence is a big, big key guy for them. Picked up a knock, so I don't know what his status is at this point, but they're starting to get a bit of run in. They're, they're figuring out who their main 11 are, and just like a couple other teams, they're starting to pick things up, and I think having that new manager bounce is a big boost. And I think they're in a good spot to continue moving forward. They got a, they got a stretch of games here where they definitely can pick up some points.
0: Yeah. I don't, I just don't understand why. Well, this would go in for Costa. Like, I don't understand what the point is.
1: I think it was a last second thing. Like a lot of teams do. They just see the availability name. of people. You yeah, have the name recognition. He has the pedigree in the league. Uh, he scored twenty, fifteen, twenty 15, 20-plus goals in the league multiple times, and he's a Premier League winner. So there's that off chance that he can have a similar impact. He's yet to score. So um, that's a mixture between him and his current stage and also just the club philosophy and the playing style in a way. So um, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, we, we need to see Jimenez get back into the groove that, that I think he's a key guy they need. We're starting to see that uh, Mateus Qu- Queen, Quenya they got from yeah, Atletico Madrid. Yeah. He's definitely somebody that can help them give them some Brazilian flair. I think that's something that every team looks for in this league. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think they definitely can put things together. It's just we know what Wolves is, and they're not going to be a highly highly prolific attacking team, but. They they just need to take their chances here and there and lock things down. And I definitely think they'll be able to stay in the league because of it.
0: They should have never got rid of my boy Jota. It's been the, uh,
1: it's tough.
0: It's been the same. Like it's very similar to Everton letting go Rich Arlison, because not only are they both like very dynamic attacking players who can play on the wing or mostly in the center, but are also good on the wing. Um, like they let him go and he's just been banged up since. He's just been more injured since. I don't I don't know if that's like a mental thing. If well, that doesn't make sense, but
1: playing in more competitions yeah, than Wolves are.
0: Like I guess that's true. I just think like he was he was perfect at Wolves. He was so good. And they let him go for a decent price, but still like they haven't done anything with that money in return. They, Nunez maybe and and Cunha is a good signing as well, but I don't know. It's just it's just not been good. And Yi Chan hasn't been that great for them either, even though nah. I love him. Uh it just just hasn't been good enough. So, I uh I'm going to let you have these last two games. I totally forgot that the past two weeks we've been rotating games. So, I'm going to try and make it up to you.
1: Okay? Well, <laughs> This was, it was perfect to hand this off because this was my fraud watch game here with Son and Loris. And wow, Patrick Vieira, maybe I was too quick to pull you off it. Um, Yeah. This was, this is just prime Palace inconsistency. Um, The first half, though, Palace definitely should have gotten the lead here. Several chances here and there. Oliver Skip in the middle for Tottenham is absolutely shit. Um, it's tough to watch him in there. Him and Basuma just aren't there. They they desperately need Bented Coreback um, as soon as possible. But I knew that if Tottenham got to the half here level, it, they'd be perfectly fine. And that's what happened here. 48th minute. Harry Kane from Parasic. And then on the 53rd, he gets a second from Brian Hill on the wing. Uh class goal, quick snapshot back post. Gwaites had no time to react. Matt Doherty, who Has had a massive resurgence into this team, playing over Emerson since the break uh, finish. He's been phenomenal. Gets a goal, and then Sunhuming in the in the seventy second, Kane with the ball over the top deflected on, uh, and Sun puts it away for a fourth. Uh, Tottenham were just having an enjoyable time here. We're never really too stressed after that first half. Lloris made a couple nice saves. And this Crystal Palace team, it's just there's just something off. I don't know, just getting overrun in the middle a bit. Um, that new signed Decore has done okay, but seems to be overwhelmed at times. And Schlup is a guy with a massive engine, but his technical ability just isn't there. So maybe an over reliance on those front guys to do the job. They're definitely not a team that can keep up with with Spurs firepower. And, yeah, just overall, they're in a rut right now. It's it's tough to watch them win, go out here and surprise people and win. Absolutely blitzed. So, and even against a Spurs team that isn't even at full strength with uh, a few key guys being out and other players being out of form. We know Eric Dyer lately has been struggling a bit, but in this game, he looked like a, a reasonable player. So, um What's your take on this for both teams?
0: I mean, a Spurs masterclass. I think you know, touching on Doherty, that that is big. It's 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 been really big for Tottenham. Uh, Emerson, just certified dog shit, so bad. We saw him in the game, but moving Doherty in, letting him play wing back like he used to play, that has been huge for them. He's yeah. been so 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 much better. And then Paris is playing on the opposite side it frees up a little bit. It frees up son and, and Kane to be creative and to link up. And they were able to do that in this one. And I just think like three at the back is the way that they have to play. doherty has got to be in there. Perišić has got to be in there. And then you have Hoyberg, who I think is good. I like him. He doesn't provide a ton, you know, offensively, but he's a DM. This is just how he's supposed to play. I think he's very solid. Uh, I sort of think of him like body type wise, like Casemiro, uh, he's not as technically gifted as as Casemiro is, obviously, but he is a very good player. I don't know about Skip. I don't think he's great, but he's he does enough. What I worry about with with Spurs is like the bench because you look at the bench here; they have zero options. Uh, no Richarlison, no Lucas Mora. Lucas More is out. It looks like he's going to be getting a tra- uh, a transfer somewhere. I don't know where, but like they have to figure out. Somebody else to slot in for Brian Hill. That's where probably Lucas More like would slot in and, and probably play well. But I just... Oh yeah, Kulu. Kulu as well. He's injured, right? Yeah, that's true. Okay, so maybe not. Um, but but yeah, this this Spurs team on their day can can truly beat anybody. I I fancy them to to beat even a team like City. You know, uh, when Kane is there, Kane is ready to play. He he is amazing. It's just. Can score with with any part of his body. His positioning is unbelievable. It was really good in this game, and when you get a performance out of Sun too, uh, Spurs are a dangerous team. Uh, and then on the Palace side, yeah, maybe a bit quick to uh, to take Vieira off uh, fraud watch. This is this is a tough one, but Palace don't show up every week. That's what it comes down to. They are, they can be really, really good on their day. They're in 12th right now on 22 points. They do have two wins in their last five, but the other three are losses. They're, they're not a team that draw. They just, they really don't draw all that much. And I think if they don't get out to an early lead and keep their foot on the gas, which they, they do a lot, then they, they just, they, they, they will. They don't have the mental fortitude. And it seems like to me, um, Pierre is not able to dig them out of the trenches when they're in them. So 4 nil, a good win for Tottenham, but I don't really have any worries about them. They're still 11 points behind Arsenal, and I think it's still been kind of a disappointing season for them. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about Conte and the project and uh, sort of what Levy is willing to spend. And he's not willing to spend much.
1: Yeah, I mean, Conte is a guy that's you're either all in or you're out. So um, he wants more investment, and Tottenham has historically been a team that's pretty conservative in the money sense. So we'll see. Matt Doherty, also a former Wolves player, could have used him as well this year. Yep. Um, and as well, we'll see if that gap expands to 14 after Sunday. Yep. We got North London Derby. Um put last game here we got Chelsea nil city one. A result I definitely thought was highly possible. Uh obviously City winning, but I definitely thought it'd be close like this. Um the first half couldn't have gone worse. Raheem Sterling pulling up in the fifth minute with a hamstring issue comes out. Uh up steps a So now we're playing with ten men. Um and then Pulisic is in on goal, nice worked play going forward for Chelsea. John Stones puts a phenomenal tackle in. Um and blocks his shot, but at the same time injures sick so uh another sub in the twenty second for Chuka Meka. Yeah who I think did okay in that game.
0: I think he was impressive.
1: Yeah, it was it was weird that he didn't start for the cup game after, but I, uh, whatever. And then that was our best first half. That was where we could have gotten something. City were vulnerable. Um, this was Walker's first game back in a while after the World Cup. So could have taken advantage of that. Uh, Pep comes out, makes some security substitutions, and Akanji and Rico Lewis, who has been doing a really nice job, academy guy for them. He's only 18, fits right in uh and then the big subs came in Maras and Grealish having guys like that come off your bench is something that every club in the league is jealous of um and is the reason why they won the game here Mares scoring from Grealish uh ball to the back post tapped in Keppa has to be on fraud watch unquestionable he he comes out and it looks like he's going to palm it away or grab it or something and he like does a little knee slide with his his left arm being the plant, and he watches the ball go across his face, and just Mars beats Cucurella to it, which discredit to Cucurella like he needs to do better. But I don't understand what the decision was from Keppa, and then maybe ten to fifteen minutes later, on the opposite side, Mars whips a ball exactly the same as the goal from Grealish. And he does the same thing, and Holland almost scores. Like, I don't know what was going through his head there. And then from there, Potter puts in a bunch of the young guys. We put in uh, Amari Hutchinson, who we took from Arsenal in the summer. Youngster there. Yeah, I mean, can't really ask him to do too much in this game. Lewis Hall comes in, Gallagher Gallagher comes in and now it's looking like a full U twenty three team out there.
0: Yeah.
1: And I saw some dog out of some guys, which was nice, but everybody's just looks a little lost in the play. And there were times where we definitely could have got something. The the last shot from Lewis Hall, he skies it. I mean, he's only eighteen nineteen. Yeah. That's a lot to ask for him, but you gotta gotta do better there if you're getting in this team. There's some trust in you. So uh, yeah, it's a tough result to, to watch, to take in, to to move on from, and then obviously the FA Cup game was much worse, but it, it drags on, and it puts us in a situation now going into this Fulham game come Thursday where it's a it's a must-win game. That's a
0: must, yeah, absolutely, that's a must-win. It,
1: it's a team we're right there with in the league somehow, and they're flying in on form, but the only consolation is Mitrovic is suspended from that game, so that that gives us some hope. But I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, Chelsea for me has turned into a, a team that if you win, it's a it's a massive, massive celebration. It's not like how uh, the top end teams are, where you expect them to win and win and win. Now it's a situation of we'll take whatever we can get, and it's it's a surreal feeling from where they've been, and it's kind of almost good because it makes every game to watch that much more interesting and that much more meaningful in a way. So um, I guess that's looking in a, gra- a glass half full uh, perspective, but uh, holding Holland to zero goals is good. That's right? what I
0: was going to say. <laughs> My one takeaway is you guys held Holland to no goals and no contributions. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Mares, nice goal from him. This team, it's interesting because Pep has so many options. So, so, so many options. Walker, he's back now. Um, You have Gunawan and KDB, who have pretty much been in the team the whole season, but so many options with Foden. Cancelo played right mid. He can play anywhere on the pitch, which is just so nice. Uh, You have Grealish off the bench. You have Alvarez, who's been really good. Rico Lewis, even decent. Um, Calvin Phillips apparently is now fully available for selection.
1: Oh yeah, that was that was one thing I was gonna mention when when I saw him get up, yeah, and come in the game. I felt so disrespected because he has been absolutely nowhere to be seen. Because
0: he was fat. Did you know that?
1: When he came on, and I was (laughs) when I was watching with Zach, and they made a transition play where he was pushed up in our half, and we won the ball. I was like, let's fucking go run, go down his side. Yep. Cause if he tries to keep up, he will tear a hamstring. It yep. looked like it looked like an alumni game where you look at each other and you're like, I'm not getting back. No, <laughs> let them deal with it. That was exactly what I saw when they were running at him. Like it, we need a gun at him and that's where all the play came from. That was the, where the Lewis hall shot came from. It was down his end. I mean, the fact we couldn't get something better from that was, was upsetting.
0: Yeah. It's tough.
1: Um, he was so bad. He, he's just,
0: that was tough, man. He it's, it's tough that they let him go from Leeds because he's a player that needs regular run. And I know what this is like, like having a body type like that. He's wide. He's really wide. He's got broad shoulders. And if you, don't, if you don't do cardio every day, if you are not actively trying to keep yourself in prime physical shape. You are going to get fat, and that's what happened. He was mega out of shape, and now finally, I guess Pep said like he's in decent enough shape to to sort of be available for selection, but he did not look good dude he's he's out of it he's he's been out of play for a really long time uh in in club football, and it's gonna take some time i think for for Phillips to sort of develop back into the, the midfielder that he was. And I don't necessarily know if we're even going to ever see that again because he was sick. Uh, and I don't know if, if he's ever going to get back to that point. So, yeah, the the one thing I wanted to say about Chelsea, you said they look like a, a U23 team. Uh, the team that is leading the table right now at one point last season also looked like a U23 team. So keep your head up, um, you know, Sort of, if you guys can get a little bit out of like Chukwameka and and Amari Hutchinson and even Lewis Hall, like it could develop. You never know.
1: Well, that, yeah, that's what the project is. The, right. the, the project's Project Twenty Thirty. I think that's the thing going around. And okay,
0: <laughs> that's a while
1: uh, away. I know, but we're signing <laughs> guys all under twenty-one. Yeah, it's good. Uh, by then they'll be in their prime. But we brought in Bad from Monaco, bringing yeah. Fofana from Mold. Um. Now we got the Jao Felix. I mean,
0: he's only 23, even though it feels like he's 30.
1: Yeah. But he's a short term guy only here until the summer just to get time because Athletic you need him off the books um, for whatever reason. And I think it's a similar situation to picking up a i I don't think he'll have any impact on it. Um, I actually, I actually think he'll be better.
0: I think well, ja- I, Jao I Felix so. is playing for a contract. Aubameyang's made his money. Um, Felix, if you guys play him, and I hope you do, because I am I'm very curious to see how he would look uh, in the prem. He's either going to be really good or even more useless than Aubameyang, and I I'm yep. leaning towards he could be very very impactful. I'm I am curious to see if you guys if you do play him because you might not. If you play him in the center at look, because he's like a natural center forward, not a striker. Center forward plays further back. And lay the ball off to wingers. You guys are now missing Pulisic. You're going to miss Ziyech, er, Sterling. I'm really curious to see where you guys play him. Because he can also play on the wing. He could be really good. I, I don't want to put that out um, of, of the realm of possibility. Arsenal, we're looking at him. I think he fits this Chelsea team better than he would fit an Arsenal team. I, I am very curious to see how this pans out. The Aubameyang, there's no State way you guys, I, there's no way you guys go 0 for 2 on on these weird lone late pickup window with Aubameyang and Felix. Some one of them has to pan out, and obviously it's not Aubameyang. I do think you can be a bit hopeful and and say maybe maybe Felix gets a run in, um, you know, in the team with Havertz being kind of mediocre. Uh, although I think he's part of the long term plan there, which is good. I, I'm curious to see because you're going to be missing Sterling. You need attacking options and uh, Aubameyang got benched. I mean, I, I think he's, he's finished. I, I'd be shocked to see if he ever got a start again here at Chelsea. Um, So keep, you know, keep your eye on that. I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, his first start. I think the medical is actually going on right now as we speak. So,
1: yeah.
0: okay. um, That's everything for a uh, review. We got a bunch of games. This upcoming game week, they're overlapping uh, on Saturday with uh, the start of the NFL playoffs, So it'll be a packed day on Saturday. Obviously, I'll be at work all day because, of course, I will be. Um, But at least there'll be stuff to watch on TV. Fulham and Chelsea, first game uh, Thursday, January 12th. Like Matt said, Fulham coming in on rapid form. Chelsea in a bit of a slump uh, with three losses in their last five. Fulham with wins. Who are you taking here?
1: Uh, I'm taking a draw. Yeah, uh, Zach's taking a draw. I think if Mitrovic was playing, I would have picked Fulham to win. Um, this half our team's injured. Fulham is a reasonable team. They're in good spe- good good form, like you mentioned. I'm just hoping for Tim Ream to give us just give me give me a gift, give me a gift, mate. Do it for do it for a mate.
0: I'm going to take a draw as well. Um, just don't feel confident enough to take Chelsea outright. I think if they do win this game, it's an absolutely huge win. Uh, uh, but I am going we'll to take definitely a draw. Be,
1: we'll definitely be popping some beverages if that happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's that's beers on the coach on the plane after uh, after a win against the Fulham team who's good. But I do think it could be a 1-1, one, one, uh, maybe even a 0-0. Nil, nil. Fulham not amazing defensively, good enough. Um, if Chelsea get loose, you know, some of the younger players, they, they may, it's very possible that they get a couple of goals here. So I do like a draw, but I, I might even give the edge to Chelsea in this one. I think Fulham are due, uh, for disappointment and, and Chelsea really need one here. So we'll see. It should be a good match. Uh, should be pretty even, but, uh, I will, uh, edge with the draw up next Aston Villa versus Leeds. This is the Friday game at 3 PM. Uh, another kind of tough game to pick. Leeds haven't been great. Uh, Villa haven't been great. Both of these teams need three points right now. Uh, Sort of close to each other in the table. I'm going to go with Villa in this one. I think they get all three.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Villa as well. And Zach's on the opposite end. He's going to go with Leeds. Jesse Jesse Marsh at the end of the West Ham game got sent off. He got double yellow, so he won't be there again. Um, Two red cards this year for him. And I think Unai at home is decent. I think they got some good form for them going. All
0: right. Um, Up next, we have United versus City. The Manchester Derby. City, a pretty heavy favorite in this one. Uh, They're in second on 39. United in fourth on 35. So this is like a six-pointer. It's it's a really big one if United uh, are able to get a win. This is the toughest derby I've had to pick in a while. This is a really tough game to pick because United have been sensational their last four games. Uh and City have looked somewhat uh mortal compared to what they usually look like. I think I'm gonna take a draw. Um, but it's it just comes down to Holland. If Holland gets loose, if if he if he slips a defender and scores one goal he's gonna score three goals so it's either gonna be a blowout or like a dead even just stalemate nil nil uh so i'm gonna take the draw
1: yeah zach's gonna take united out right uh they haven't won this they won one of these games last year two nil um but i'm right there with you with the draw i think it'll be close it's it's i don't know it's gonna be really tough i'm, I'm almost ready to Talk myself out of the draw, and just go with City, but I think at Old Trafford should help.
0: Yep. Um, okay. <clears throat> On to the next one: Wolves West Ham. Ugh, sleeper taking the draw again.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. The more I thought about it, the the harder it became, and I just thought, just go with a draw. That's that's just dead even there. And then Zach's going to take Wolves outright.
0: All right uh next one is nottingham forest versus Leicester. i'll take Leicester in this one they got to bounce back they got three losses in their last three games nottingham forest got that uh impressive away win i guess you could call it impressive because it was their first of the season last week uh but i do think lester are a better team than nottingham forest and i'm gonna back the foxes to get this one
1: yeah zach and i have both taken Leicester as well uh forest are good at home but I just feel like Leicester outclassed them a bit and should definitely have some advantage here.
0: Brighton versus Liverpool up next. This is another tough one, but I'm actually very, very confident that Brighton are going to make this a game. I think Brighton win this one outright. Just based on how Liverpool looked uh, last week against Brentford, I think Brighton are an even better team than Brentford, and they can certainly get a win here. So I'll uh, I'll take the Seagulls.
1: Yeah, you read my mind. I'm Going with Brighton as well. I think that back line's a massive problem for Liverpool. They yeah. defend with three when Trent gets up high, and that's just a massive spot. And Matoma's going to be on that side, and I think he's going to eat Trent up alive. Uh, Zach's more optimistic. He's going to go with a draw.
0: Okay. Uh, then we have Everton versus Southampton up next. Southampton, the underdog in this one. Everton, pretty heavy, heavy favorite at Goodison. They play better at Goodison, but both of these teams... Uh, In their last 10 games, these two teams have a combined nine losses and a draw, Uh, the one draw being Everton's. This is ugly. I'm going to take Southampton. Uh, I think they try and get themselves out of this. They're going to jump to 15th if they get three points here, and I do actually think they get three points just because Everton have been so, so bad.
1: Yeah, this is one where you could talk me in any of the three directions, but... Uh, I'm going to back Everton here, and so is Zach. I think I think this is a game that they could take advantage of because Southampton are just that much worse, it seems.
0: All right. Um, Brentford versus Bournemouth up next. That's an easy one. I'll go with Brentford.
1: Yeah, I think this is the easiest one to pick to, with the form both teams are in, and potentially that might be the reason why we all get it wrong, but I'm going to take Brentford as well, and so is Zach.
0: Okay. Uh, where are we up next? I lost my page. I got it. Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. Uh, they're playing three days after they play on Thursday. This is a tough one, but I'm still going to go with Chelsea in this one. I think they can beat Palace.
1: I'm hoping the same. I'm taking Chelsea, and so is Zach.
0: All right. Um, Newcastle versus Fulham up next. Another one where they just play a couple of games or a couple of days after they play. Um, on Thursday, this one's on Sunday, same as Chelsea tough, uh, really congested here for them, but I'm still going to take, uh, <clears throat> Newcastle regardless. I, I just think even if they did have full rest, Newcastle are the better team. I think they can beat Fulham.
1: Yeah. Sig and Newcastle as well. I'm going to go with a draw. I think with Mitrovic getting rest, he should be prepared to go after this defense.
0: Yep. Uh, and then our... So wait, hold on quickly before we get into the North London derby. Wow, we have two derbies this week. um, Palace and United, are we previewing those games or are we going to wait?
1: We're going to wait on the, the Palace and United one. All right, cool.
0: Um, Okay, so Tottenham Arsenal, last game of the week. I'm taking Arsenal in a rout. I think they batter the fuck out of Tottenham.
1: Yeah, I'm going with Arsenal as well, and Zach's going to go with a draw. It's really hard not to pick Arsenal here with with how Tottenham's defense has been playing since the break.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, we have a packed weekend here. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, we just actually – you watched the college football uh, final last night?
1: Yeah, I watched the start of it. Um, wow. Destruction. Dest- yeah, it's, it's just not what I expected. I think they broke the record for most points scored in <laughs> yeah, a championship. I mean, that could not have ended in a worse case, or in worse worse, like, just, uh, it's just tough to put words into it because it was just that poor a performance from the Horn Frogs. I mean... Disaster. I, I loved the pregame um, talks with the game day guys when they had Saban on because they were making remarks of Georgia being that next team up and stuff. And Saban's just there given those looks and just, he can't really say anything because yeah, they've just getting bullied by Georgia.
0: I know it was crazy. Um, this isn't a college football show, but it was, if you guys didn't watch, I mean, it
1: was, it was crazy. <laughs> um, I forgot to say our records. Last week you oh. went five and five oh. and Zach and I went six and four. And do you have any updates on your fraud watch? last week you said low key, uh under the radar Saliba and Darwin Nunes were on there and is oh. there any updates to that?
0: Yeah, Darwin's still on. I mean the guy the guy's just permanently three, st- stamped. Three
1: times, three time running
0: yeah I think if you get five weeks in a row you have to get a tattoo uh for a watch across your Ooh. across your ass he actually might have to get it soon i'll i'm gonna get in touch with his camp um and, and see if they have any comment on that but it is looking yeah. like maybe it's time uh i'm also going to uh add somebody to the list jurgen klopp he's okay. fin- he's finished <laughs> he he's fully Ooh. finished yeah he's done um I think I think they, they they gotta they gotta hang it up. I, I I think Klopp's done. This team is so predictable. Liverpool is so so predictable. The cross and Inshallah is not working anymore. Run up with um with Salah and cross it, not gonna work. Not gonna work with Nunez. Can't score in front of the net. Uh Sala, you can stay off of Fraud Watch. I think I think he's still a good player. I think he's fantastic, but yeah, we we we, we got to add Jurgen Klopp. I I think uh, the experiment is over. It's it's time to get Pep Linders and uh, and Jurgen Klopp out of there. I don't know who they're going to get, but I think the remainder of the season for Liverpool uh, is is going to be ugly. Uh, I think they could very well finish sixth. I actually back Chelsea to finish higher than Liverpool, even with their absolute oh dis- disaster. So yeah, p- p- uh, Jurgen, w- welcome to the list, buddy.
1: Yeah, we, we do play them on the 21st this month. So Yeah, I'm going to break out
0: my Chelsea sense, uh, my Drogba jersey from uh, 2008.
1: I love that, yeah. Uh, I would say I would take Son and Loris off mine. It seems like I got a good streak going where uh, whoever I put on there does a reasonable job in the upcoming match. And similar to you, I'm going to put a manager on there. I'm going to go with David Moyes. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You can't ask for a better time to be put on fraud watch. They get a match against Wolves, where it's a winnable game, and can definitely get them up to that mid-table area. So I'm yeah. going to go with David Moyes.
0: So, so Moyes can easily beat the allegations here uh, with, with a win against Wolves. At least beat the allegations for a week. Uh, but, but you know, Klopp. I don't know. I don't know if you can beat the allegations with a win against Brighton. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on that. So, Jurgen, watch yourself, buddy. David Moyes, watch yourself.
1: Yeah, if it doesn't work out for Klopp, you might have to go do a uh, go publish more books with lenders.
0: Yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to go publish his offer. entire book of tactics. Like yeah. <laughs> that is still one of the most insane things I've ever seen. That would be like Bill Belichick going and publishing every single, you know, strategy he had when, when it was Brady and Welker and, and Edelman. Like it it's fucking insane. But that's that's what an ego does to you. So all right, that's everything from us. Thank you guys for listening. Uh make sure to check us out on social media at Post20 Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening again, and we'll talk to you next week.